you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. And for those of you joining us online, you're so, so welcome. We're in for an absolute treat. The 9.30 was amazing. And so I hope you've come with hungry and expectant hearts for God's word. We're so honored, thrilled uh, to have Stu and Irene Bell with us all the way from Lincoln. Who's here been to Lincoln? My wife and I like to go on our day off to Lincoln. We love Lincoln from a live church. And they're the senior pastors there. And up until recently, they were uh, leading the Ground Level Network, which is a movement a collection of churches just like uh, the Vineyard. So can we give a, a warm welcome to Stuart, who's going to give the word uh, today. Thank you very much. Uh, the honor is ours. We're really grateful to be here. Irene and I have been in ministry in Lincoln, actually, for over 40 years, and so we're feeling that slightly. And the problem, as you get older, is you can move a little from the prophetic to the nostalgic. So Irene was born in Hull, so last night we were telling the stories and going round some places that uh, Irene remembers. So it's great to be in Hull. And uh, for a number of years, we've had quite a heart for Hull, uh, wanting to see a move of the Spirit and... God bless this place, so it's a real privilege to be here. And I want to take us to a well-known, familiar story in John's Gospel, John chapter 12, and I'm going to read the story. In my Bible, it's headed, Jesus anointed at Bethany. So many of us will know this story. And, um, and I want to use this story as a kind of a picture of the church, the house of God, the house of the Lord, because it's true, isn't it, that as we gather together today, we are family. And it's a wonderful thing that wherever you go, anywhere in the world, um, you, you're part of a family, a growing family, a great family, the family of God. And so what I want to do is as we share this story together, this is the story of a dinner occasion when Jesus is there in Bethany. And uh, it starts just as a, as a meal. And I want you to picture as we go through what happens as quite a controversial moment when Mary anoints the feet of Jesus, not a thing you would expect as you go to a, a meal. And I want to use this as a picture of how we can fill the house of God with certain things, because this house is filled with a number of things. And so uh, I want to go through this story, and I have 10 points today, which is a bit scary, but um, Irene always checks this out because normally I have subheadings as well, but there are genuinely only 10 things. 10 things uh, to do with filling the house and 10 things to do with guarding the house. So I've called the talk today, Fill the House, Guard the House. So John chapter 12, verse one, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled 
with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So I want us to think of certain things that happen on this dinner party that fill the house with, with a number of things. And I want to begin with the first verse because every time we come into fellowship and every time we gather in the home of the Lord, firstly, we need to fill the house with expectancy. Fill the house with expectancy. Verse 1 says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. What an amazing thing to go to have a meal with someone who was dead and is now alive. It's a great start to a meeting, isn't it? You go pretty expectantly if you knew that there was a story of someone that had been raised from the dead. And it must have been, as the people went into that house to share that meal, there was a real sense of expectancy. I, for one, would have loved to have had a chat with Lazarus. You know, there's nothing, he, he doesn't actually say anything as far as we know, but it would have been great to have known what was it like you know, what happened to you in that period of time before Jesus brought you back to life? A sense of expectancy. And you know, sometimes coming into fellowship and into church, because we do it so often, we can take it for granted. And I just want to say that every time we gather, and whenever there's a service, and you've got four of them today, which is amazing, to be able to come into the house of God with a sense of expectancy. To actually say, what could the Lord do today in this place? And I think it's ever so important that when we invite the Holy Spirit, we genuinely say, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And we've read the book, we know the gospel. Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A friend of mine used to say, get hold of hands of heaven. I believe we can raid the future and we can bring heaven into our gatherings, come with a sense of expectancy, to expect that God will move. So often we get into just meetings and doing the same things, but I believe that every one of us can take initiative and say, I'm gonna come into the house of the Lord with a sense of being prepared and ready. And sometimes if you've got kids, you know, it's kind of frazzling before you come into church sometimes and you know, and you, you come through the door and try to engage. And, and I think it's ever so important to come with expectancy. And so as the people came in, here's uh, Martha, here's Mary, here's Lazarus, the, the house is filled with a sense of expectation. Fill the house with expectancy. 
Secondly, fill the house with hospitality. Verse 2 says, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Just one sentence, but it tells us something about what was going to happen on that occasion. This meal was being prepared to honor Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Martha was preparing food, Lazarus was reclining at the table, but it was all put together to honor Jesus. And it's a great reminder, isn't it? Today's not about us, actually. It's about honoring Jesus. When we come, of course, we get blessed and we expect that. But it's all to do with honoring the name of Jesus, which is the highest name of all. Fill the, the house with a sense of hospitality. Now, through church history, there's been this debate. You know, do we believe in the sovereignty of God? Do we believe in the free will of man? And my answer to that is yes, because yes, God is sovereign, but we have freedom. And I believe there are things that we can do to set atmospheres. There are things that we can do to set cultures. And one of those things has to do with hospitality. Sometimes I've been to churches and uh, uh, people have said, nobody spoke to me. In fact, as a preacher, once or twice, I've gone to places and wondered if I was meant to be preaching because nobody actually met me or greeted me. have to say, you did a great job here, and we're really grateful for it. But sometimes strangers can come amongst us, and we don't mean to do it, but they can feel really isolated unless there's a sense of hospitality. You know, some time ago, I was uh, uh, going in front of our buildings in the center of Lincoln, and I saw two guys were on the, on the doors. And it just went through my mind, just briefly, these look more like bouncers than people greeting. And it was almost as they were saying, get into this building if you dare. And somehow I thought we've got to shift that slightly, make sure that our greeting and our hospitality is the best that we can make it. But it's not just inviting people into meetings and making sure they drink decent coffee. It's in all of our hands, I believe, to create atmospheres of welcome and kindness and joy. Because often there are people that will come amongst us who are on the margins of society, people that are struggling with all kinds of issues, loneliness and fears and phobias, and we are the people with the good news, and our house ought to be filled with a sense of joy and hospitality. And all of this was in Jesus' honor. And we really need to remember that. We're here to honor him, to lift up his name, to exalt the name of of Jesus. So fill the house with expectancy, fill the house with hospitality, and then thirdly, fill the house with fragrance. Verse 3 says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Great verse here, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. A totally unexpected thing and could have caused embarrassment, but what's happening here in the honoring of Jesus, Mary goes over the top. I love it when people go over the top 
for Jesus. Sometimes it can be a little bit off-putting, a little bit embarrassing. You know, when people uh, love Jesus a bit more than you do, it can be a bit of a challenge. And it, it can be a challenge when you go to places and there's a little bit of, you know, extreme. And I have to say, I like a little bit of extreme. Uh, that does need a bit of thinking through. But it's important that we allow people to express their worship to God. And here in worship, something very, very special happens, and it's very costly. And as the scriptures say, Mary brings this ointment. Imagine this, worth a year's wages, the Bible says. This was extravagant worship. But as she breaks this bottle open, the whole of the house is filled with fragrance. Must have been a wonderful thing. You've got the, the smell of cooking as Martha's working in the kitchen. You've got the whole atmosphere of this house is very wonderful. And there's this sense of the fragrance in the house. Now, all of us know we can connect the pieces here. But when we worship the Lord together, I believe that there is something very, very special. A fragrant offering of praise and adoration and worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Sometimes you can go into a kind of an average meeting and then something happens. I believe that a certain chord played with an anointed musician can change atmospheres. I've seen it over and over again. The Holy Spirit begins to move and we begin to raise our sights. We came in feeling a little bit miserable, but as the atmosphere changes and we contribute and we enter into worship and sometimes it is a sacrifice of praise, isn't it? Sometimes you do have to throw up your hands and worship the Lord. And it does require us entering into his presence with praise. But as we do that, the house is filled with fragrance. I guess we could tell many stories, couldn't we? When you're in a particular gathering and the house is being filled with fragrance and the Holy Spirit comes. You know, Irene and I have been privileged to, to be in a number of settings where the Holy Spirit has come in a very wonderful and powerful way. I had the privilege of speaking four or five times in Toronto during the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, 94, 95. And to be in meetings where it was kind of a mixture of scary and wonderful, as the Holy Spirit came and invaded people's lives, I pray that more of that will invade us in the UK. We desperately need to fill the house with a sense of the presence of God. There's stuff that only God can do, but there is something that we can do. Proverbs 27 verse 9 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. When the Holy Spirit comes, there's joy, there's laughter, there's a sense of his anointed presence. And I believe we need to fill the house with fragrance. And we can interpret that in a number of ways. Yes, in worship, but in attitude and in heart and in conversation and in welcome and in greeting people and saying you're really, really welcome here. And welcome home is outside. And when we were coming home, thinking, thank the Lord, I'm coming home. It's great to be together with people that you love. There's nothing more wonderful, actually, than the church of Jesus. And any that have traveled and to other nations and been among Christians, it's just a very wonderful thing. 
I remember some years ago I was speaking in Japan for some, some outpouring meetings of the Holy Spirit. And I got off the plane, and usually when I go to places, I kind of try and get a mental image of what's going to happen. So I assumed a little Japanese pastor would pick me up in a Datsun, take me with him. It wasn't like that at all. I was pushed onto one of these packed trains. And as we're on a train going to where we were, I was picked up by a missionary from New Zealand, and he asked me the question, you know, have you met any Japanese pastors? And I said, it's interesting you should ask me that question because some years ago, two young Japanese pastors came to our church and they filled in this little welcome book that we had and um, I remembered they signed the names and one of them was called Pastor Wakio. And I thought, what a great name for a pastor. So I'd lodged it in my mind. And we're on this train and we go and we stop at this little house and we go into the house take our shoes off, put them on a rack and, and go into this little house. And there on the wall of that house is a picture of uh, Lincoln Cathedral. And I thought, man alive, and then through the door, who should come through the door but Pastor Wakio, who was in Lincoln years before. Out of all the cities, out of all the pastors in Japan, I'm in his house that day. You do know God is very wonderful, and he has a way of connecting the family of God together. So we need to fill the house with expectancy, with hospitality, with the fragrance of worship, the fragrance of relationships. There's something wonderful about relationships that stand the test of time, where people don't give up on one another and they stick with church through thick and thin and don't just have to go somewhere else when the pressure's on. And so fill the house. But something happens in this uh, house that could have ruined the whole occasion because in verse four, it says this, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, I wrote a little note on this and I put, there's always one. There's always one. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. All sounds very plausible, doesn't it? And I can imagine in church circles, quite a number of people might take that kind of approach. But as we go through this, I want us to see that this was not a man that had a heart for the poor and for those that were beyond. There was something working in, in Judas that was opposing the very atmosphere of that house. The objection or the challenge often comes into the house to prevent the blessing from flowing out of the house. And I put it to you, there's nothing that will rob the house of fragrance faster than a bad attitude. Which leads me on to a few thoughts with regard to guarding. Now just as it's important for all of us to understand that we can contribute to things filling the house, but we can also contribute to things whereby we guard the house. And here's the first of them. Guard the house from opposing atmospheres. The atmosphere was wonderful. The fragrance, the smell of cooking, everybody happy. I would imagine a few jokes and great things happening around the table. Everybody's happy to be there until Judas interjects and challenges. And this is an opposing atmosphere. Something's brought in suddenly that is out to harm. 
Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1 says, As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And what I've found through the years is just one word, one critical word can kill an atmosphere, can harm a church. Usually churches um, fall apart in some way, not usually through theology, sometimes of course, but usually through relational breakdown. And I just encourage you as brothers and sisters in Christ to make sure that we guard the house from opposing atmospheres and to challenge ourselves about the kind of atmospheres that we bring. Irene and I lately have been having a little conversation with one another because the danger is for us, as we get a little bit older, um, I, I just don't want to become a grumpy old man. And sometimes if we are observing things and critiquing things, it's so easy to have a little negative comment or a, or a conversation together about things that are, are difficult. And we have committed together to challenge one another and say, you know, let's not bring an opposing negative thought. Let's encourage, let's strengthen, let's bless. And sometimes it, uh, it, there's a cost to that. So guard the house from opposing atmosphere. Secondly, guard the house from small-mindedness. I want to say, be careful of people who oppose a culture of honor. You see, it sounded very spiritual what Judas was saying. And it is true that more could have been done had this money been used for other purposes. But it reminds me of church life so often where people say, was it really necessary for us to put all that money in the PA? Was it really necessary for us to do things with excellence? And sometimes the, the thoughts challenge what leaders are, are called to do. And I just again want to say, let's not be part of a company that always start with things half empty rather than half full. And small-mindedness, where we don't think about the importance of excellence in terms of reaching our city and our region with the good news of Christ. And then thirdly, guard the house from hidden agendas. You see, Judas had a hidden agenda. I'm thankful that in the Bible, there's a real clear understanding of what was going on here. And it's very honest because here we hear that Judas didn't have a heart for the poor. Says it clearly, he was a thief. And he was taking money out of the operation. And so we find out very, very clearly what was in his heart. He had hidden agendas. He actually was wanting a Messiah that was going to bring victory and release. He had no concept of, of the Messiah that was going to die uh, for, the, for, for the sins of the world. And sometimes guarding the house from hidden agendas requires real discernment. Because sometimes arguments sound so spiritual. And sometimes the people that come with negatives, they seem rather spiritual people. Now, I'm not saying we don't listen to other points of view, and I think you understand that. I can't cover everything uh, in these little comments. But I do think that we need to guard the house from hidden agendas, people that are looking for a different vision, wanting a different way, you know, wanting to shift things that actually the leaders have brought into the, into the house. And then fourthly, guard the house from religious mindsets. 
And I want to take you to the end of the story here in verse 10 because it says, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. Don't you find it amazing here that the religious people that were connected into this house, they hear all of this going on and they actually want to kill Lazarus for the second time. Poor Lazarus. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. He's, he's died once and now religion wants to kill him a second time. And that's a picture of religion. And religion will always mess the party. Religion will always cause us to, to pull back on the things that God is calling us to do. Religious mindsets can be very damaging. And I know that you know this, but religion is man's attempt to reach God. But the Christian faith is relationship where God comes down and meets with us where we are. It's a very, very different thing. And so I believe we need to guard the house from religion that's finger-pointing and, and sometimes the Bible's used to bang over people's heads and we need to resist all that kind of stuff, even though it seems spiritual. And some of these people seem so super spiritual and we just need to be careful. And then fifthly, guard the house from mean attitudes. And again, Jesus speaks very clearly on this in verse 7. When all of this commotion's going on, Jesus says this, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You see, this mean attitude was robbing the house of something very wonderful. I'm not sure Mary understood the magnitude of what she'd done that day, but Jesus said, there's something very prophetic and more important than just breaking a bottle of ointment here. This is a preparation for the greatest event that has ever happened on the planet. This is to do with the, the anointing of the body of Jesus who's going to die on a cross and be raised on the third day. Something wonderful and prophetic is happening here. And so we need to guard the house from mean attitudes. 2 Timothy 1 verse 14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. And so can I encourage all of us in this place, because I think we're all in this together, to guard the house. It's ever so important. And to make sure that the future of this house is strong. Again, I don't want to share stories of history, but I know of people that used to be alongside me that are no longer in church today. Some led large churches. Something happened, a breakdown in relationship. And now they're no longer with the Lord. And it's so important that the house of God is protected. And yes, God will protect his name. But it's important that we also take our responsibility to guard the house. So let me just come back to the filling part as we conclude this. Remember we've said fill the house with expectancy. Fill the house with hospitality. Fill the house with fragrance. And then fourthly, fill the house with testimonies. Verse 9 says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. Listen to this. Not only because of him, not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he has raised from the dead. Now, it's important here, the crowds begin to come, not because Jesus was there. Some came simply to see Lazarus, who'd been raised from the dead. But the point is this. I believe that people will come among us 
not just in the first instance because Jesus is in the house, but because you're in the house and because you have a story and you have a testimony. And I believe it's time to tell the stories of God's faithfulness and his goodness. And if I were to bring a microphone round, there would be many, many stories of how God met you, how God healed you, how God brought you into a place a new thing, you know, how he saved you, how he healed you, how he delivered you, because that is the gospel. And I believe we need to fill the house with testimonies. Remember when we didn't know, well, we still don't know what we're doing, but I remember when we didn't know what we're doing when we started in a home years and years ago. You know, when he didn't know what to do, ask people to share stories. And then you find out the great things that God has done. And even today, as I'm here, I want to tell the story. Back home in Lincoln, eight people are being baptized today, this morning. And I think it's a great story. We're seeing Iranians come to Christ. Wonderful story very recently of an Iranian woman who, through a word of knowledge, in uh, almost 20 years ago, came back to our church three weeks ago to say thank you. She's now planted church in Pakistan and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be in the house of God. Can't emphasize it enough. It's a great thing to be in the house of God. We're the hope for the world. And God wants us, I believe, to be an expectant people and to fill the house with testimonies. And the final thing is this, and then I want to pray. Fill the house to overflowing. You see, what started just as a house with a few friends eating and drinking in verse 9, it says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there. So a crowd began to come. And I believe that we need to fill the house to overflowing and get into our minds large crowds. Remember, my philosophy for church was 120-ish people. You know, when I first started, a number of theologians were saying 120 is good, keep the relationship strong and all of that, and, and it's, it's a great measure in some ways, but one day I'm reading Acts of the Apostles and I find the 120 in the upper room, Holy Spirit comes, 3,000 are saved, what do you do with that? And that, that got hold of my heart for something bigger. You know, there's a lot of resistance today to... Church is growing and for big things. There's a, a suspicion if a church grows, there must be something wrong. I want to reverse that and say God wants us to explode with more and more people coming to faith. And the reason I'm saying that is because I feel stirred today that in Hull, this church has a destiny and that you're just in the beginnings of what God wants to do. May I just go on with this a little bit because I really, I really sense that God has positioned you in this city for great things and that God is going to cause this place to be an apostolic center where people are sent. And I believe this city is going to reverberate with the praises of God because of people like you. And I want to say over the leadership here, if you will walk humbly with God, and if you will not take yourselves too seriously, but will allow the Holy Spirit to work, I believe that in the next number of years, you're going to see extraordinary things happen. The things you've longed for, I want to say over you, uh, John, the things you've longed for for years, you will see with your own eyes. And the healing ministry is going to expand and increase. 
And from this place, you're going to be sending. And I just want to encourage you, but also to challenge you to be people that are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Not to go out where, where it just seems right, but to be really obedient to the Holy Spirit. And so I want to stir you up a bit in the Spirit today and say you're in a good place but you're in a place where you're not to get too settled because God is going to disturb you in a good way and that there will be a planting out that takes place in the years ahead. And I believe that you are strategic, not just for this city, but for the whole of this eastern region. So God is with you. God is for you. But it comes back to some basic things. I feel a bit, you don't know me, so I don't want to step over any lines. But I want to say to you, fill the house. Fill the house with these things, and you will do well. Guard the house from all of those things that I've shared, and God will be with you. And I close with the, the last thought from 1 Kings 8, verses 10 to 11, where the priesthood have done all that they could within the temple and then it says that they couldn't minister for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. You know, sometimes we have to watch out what we sing because if we're singing for a visitation of the Holy Spirit, if we're wanting the Holy Spirit to come, we should not resist him coming. And so my prayer is, you've got to do everything that you can do but God wants to fill the house with his Holy Spirit and with his presence. There are things that we can do, but only God can fill the house with his glory. Heavenly Father, thank you for these few moments. I pray for this church that you would bless every member, every part. Bless those four gatherings this Sunday, Lord. Put a spark of energy and life in the church, where there's been discouragement, I pray for courage. Where there's been anxiety, I pray for confidence. And I pray, Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you'd cause this church to flourish and blossom. And I pray it will become a great resource center for the working of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, as we pray and sing, come Holy Spirit, that's our genuine request, Lord. Come and do what we could not possibly do. May we see revival in our land again. Pour out your spirit, Lord, on the, on the dying embers of churches. Stoke those fires again of, of churches of, that had moved in the spirit in the past within this city and the sparks hardly there now. Breathe, O oh God, upon this city, upon the churches and even the dying embers of churches that are almost, almost no light there. And let your kingdom come and your will be done in this city as it is in heaven. So I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and grant you shalom, peace, in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. 
we would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.